Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I am super excited to be bringing this episode to you in partnership with Elemental Software. Elemental Software is a female-founded healthcare organisation connecting individuals and families to their local communities to support their health and wellbeing needs. So many of us go to our local GP practice and we're looking for a medical prescription, but often we need a social prescription and the Elemental Software platform connects practices, people, communities seamlessly and beautifully to help us as patients get the care and support that we need. And what I have described probably sounds really simple, but I can assure you it is not. It is a huge undertaking to get so many organisations to work collaboratively together. And it is my pleasure to bring this episode to you with one of the co-founders, Jennifer Neff. We talk about Elemental's journey to date. We talk specifically to Jennifer about her feeling sometimes a bit underestimated and we talk about rejection and how this has shaped Jennifer's view today. And Jennifer shares some really, really good advice. One being not everyone's going to understand your idea, not everyone's going to want your idea and how to get over that hurdle. And that Jennifer also shares the culture of their organisation. And when she said to me, she's leading but letting people be, I was like, that is the title of this podcast. And so many of us need to learn to do that. (laughs) So enjoy and I'll see you in the next episode. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, Tara. Thank you. I've had a, a busy week and I'm, I'm glad I've, I've got to Friday. What have you been up to? I've been at uh, the Social Prescribing Conference. It's an annual conference that um, where everyone involved in social prescribing kind of gets together. And traditionally, it's, a, it's everyone's physically getting together and there's a lot of hugs been given out we're a huggy bunch in, in social <laughs> prescribing so I was kind of a bit you know I was concerned and anxious about how how would it translate to being on a on a digital platform but it was amazing it was we were all on this um you know being able to jump into different table tables and see each other and chat and I would say that we managed to have as much fun and crack on uh, at this conference as we would do 
when we all meet up normally. So it's been great seeing lots of old friends and meeting some new friends. And how do you manage when you're in like, uh, that's like a conference, but you know, like in long meetings and the day job, how do you juggle that? So when you open up your email on Monday, is your inbox going to be, you know, like full because you've been doing other things? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And I was actually awake. I was working until 1.30 this morning because oh, of that yesterday. Yeah. So this morning I got up and I thought and I started again early at around 8.30. And I do see myself working over the weekend to catch up. What I should have done, lessons learned, I should have put a, a kind of the out of office on. But I still think and I was delegating to some of the team as well. So I was able last night to to fire out a few things to be able to get things done while I was at the conference. But yeah, I like to kind of fully immerse myself in a conference when I'm there and not be nipping out for calls and things. Um, so it was a challenge and I will be playing catch up as a result of it. But yeah. you know what? It was worth it, Tara. It was brilliant. Okay. So could you share what you what you do and uh, what your company does? Yes. So um, myself and Leanne Monk are the co-founders of Elemental Software. And what we do is we help regions and localities to establish and to scale and to measure the uptake and the impact of social prescribing. So for those people listening that may not have a clue what you really just said, could you share, describe it in a, a slightly different way? Yeah, okay. So um, lots of people um, face social challenges in their lives and um you know, they, they might have issues around debt and maybe paying their 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 rent and mental health problems and, and things like that. So um, primary care, for example, it doesn't, you know, medication alone isn't um, isn't always the answer. But what has been proven for decades is that the community development approach to well-being is really, really effective. And this is where people can get the support that they need. They can be empowered. Uh, they can have a chance to say what matters to them. And they can be connected into different activities and programs and services available right in the heart of their own community where they live that's going to have a positive impact in, on their health and well-being. And what Elemental does, we help that to, we just help that to happen. And we help to show the difference that it makes to the person the difference that it makes to the community when the community's all working well together and what's the difference to the health and social care sector. So do people who are fully connected and healthy and happy then go to see their GP less? Do they go to A&E less? Um, are they able to look after their, their conditions themselves and, and help prevent the development of long-term conditions? So it's a, it's a wonderful space called social prescribing and elementals in, in, in the heart of it, really working with, people and agencies and organizations and sectors and we always say what we ultimately do is we help to connect people to build communities and to improve lives thank you so it's, it's and you guys provide the platform to enable that to happen yes leanne and i were community development workers and we were just really frustrated and found it really challenging trying to help communities and, and empower communities because there are so many people that are hardly ever reached and hardly ever heard. Um, and, you know, there's you can get bogged down with admin a lot when you're in a community development role and you spend maybe more time writing reports and um, working on spreadsheets than being out actually talking and listening to people and communities about the challenges that they face and and what they what they love and what they want to do. So Leanne and I said, look, 
how would digital work in this? You know, if, if, if someone actually was to receive a referral from a GP and the GP said, look, I'm going to introduce you to someone who can actually spend more time with you than I can and, and find out what's going on and help you. Um, so we looked in, to see what digital could do. So we developed, um, we took, it was spreadsheet, it was um, flip chart pages initially, and we kind of mapped out what the journey would be for the patient or the person. And then we took it, we spent about two years going around asking people involved in the whole community health and well-being about what they thought. And they we, they told us lots of different challenges that they faced. But ultimately, we wanted to show the, the difference that the community and voluntary sector makes to, to community health and well-being because it plays such a vital role and such an important role. And sometimes it's not always recognised or valued. You know, funding doesn't always get to where it needs to go. And, you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into writing funding applications and they're living from like every month to month, sometimes just on the funding that they have, but they play such a big part in, in, in community health and well-being. Do you see that changing? Do you think the powers that be understand the role that the community and voluntary groups and just social groups play in people's health and happiness? I, I do see a change in, but I see still the effort needed to be making them more aware all the time. You know, the, at the conference, there was great talk about, you know, the future of social prescribing. But when you looked at the chat, there's a lot of people were still saying, like, don't forget about us here. You know, without us, you've got no one to refer people to. And, you know, it's it's always going to be, I think, uh, an issue. And that's why you always need to be able to um, make sure the right people are hearing what it is you're saying. So when we developed Elemental, we wanted to give that data to the community to be able to say, you know, look at the demand for my service. I've only got two workers However, this particular service we're providing, look at the feedback it's getting from, from people and look at the difference it's been able to help reduce someone's anxiety levels and you know increase their well-being levels. So given the power back to the community within the form of data that commissioners cannot ignore so that they can see and say, yeah, this is working. We need to keep funding this or we need to give more funding to this particular um, program or service or, or organization. And that's ultimately where it needs to be really because then there isn't a question. Sometimes people say, "Do they do they evaluate the um, you know in terms of the the pharmaceutical side of things? Does that get as va- evaluated as much as social prescribing?" And it doesn't. It doesn't. Social prescribing is really put um, under the spotlight when commissioners okay. are looking to see that. So it's really important. So you've got a fantastic kind of journey into creating this business. Um, what does it, so? If you cast your, you talked about the conference as a CEO of a health tech company, how long have you, how long has Elemental been going for? We, well, we first came up with the idea in 2013 and we kind of presented it, um, but we didn't actually start um, winning contracts until 2016. So we're only really, I suppose, um, in a commercial sort of thing from 2016, but it was it was three years before that. It was ideas. It was sitting with coffee and caramel squares until two in the morning and <laughs> trying to work everything out together. But the, yeah, we've been on a journey together, the both of us. And, and I suppose it's, you know, it's 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 been a very exciting journey, but uh, but it's been very challenging too along the way. What what was the moment that you both thought, yeah, we're going to do that? Like we're definitely going to do this. Um, I think. Let me think now. We well, we were we were doing it for a while, and we were we were going 
applying for funding applications and we kept getting turned down because they didn't understand what it was we were trying to do. And then I remember, I think it might have been 2016. So we were a good bit in, you know, we had a an actual platform and everything, but we won this award and it was the Invent 2016 award and it was the Enterprise Software Award. And that was the moment I think we just kind of both went, wow, because we didn't have a technical background. We weren't coders, we weren't developers. So when you win a category like the Enterprise Software category, you're thinking, wow, we're actually a real software company. Because I remember <laughs> I remember people saying, what do community development workers know about software? And then I was at an event and someone looked at me and she said, what does a software company know about community development? And I said, wow, this is actually a compliment. Thank you so much. So um, I think when we were recognized in that format, we, we knew then that it was that it was definitely going to happen. And you mentioned it's been very exciting, but also very challenging. Talk to us about some of the challenges you faced. Well, we at the start, we had, you know, our full time jobs and we were doing this as well. So, you know, it's exciting that adrenaline's flowing when you're coming up with ideas and you're saying, and then we could do this and then this could happen and that could happen. So you're managing that in the early days. But when you make the decision that you're going to do this, you have to then let go of the of the full-time job. So you're in a kind of no man's land space where you've got no wages coming in and you're kind of relying on maybe a partner or something that's going to kind of, their wages are going to cover you. So I remember personally that my husband saying to me, look, you've got two more months left at this, you know, I need you out there, Erin. And, and I said, oh, please just give me, give me four months. I promise this is going to, this is going to work. And Leanne was in the same situation. so. Yeah, that's that's always a big one. And then so we were so thankful then it all did take off and we haven't looked back since. And I'm now letting I'm the bigger earner in the relationship and he's looking after the kids. He's, he's furloughed at the moment, but he's helping with all the homeschooling. But um, so, yeah, that was a big one. And then there's, I suppose you always feel underestimated, don't you, when you've come yeah. up with ideas. So it's how you deal with that. And we got a little bit of a kick then out of being underestimated. We were like, they've totally underestimated us. They don't think we can do this. And we were like, yeah, we'll show them. And we did and we have. So hope you don't mind me asking. So where you say now you're the larger earner, has that changed the dynamics in your relationship? Um, no, my, I suppose my husband is he's like a lovely kind of gentle guy. So there was no, I, I when I speak to other friends of mine and they talk about, you know, there's a bit of a, uh, uh, what's the word? A bit of a power struggle sometimes in some relationships, but he he's just happy that I'm happy and that everything's going well, and he's happy to get to spend time with the kids because he was the person who was out working, you know, the eight o'clock till till seven o'clock, and whilst I wasn't exactly the domestic goddess, I was still working <laughs> myself. Um, he did work very hard, and so I, I'm, and I think the kids are really benefiting from it as well because they all the lovely qualities that he has. I can see them even in the past year spent through COVID. They're just they're the better for it. I think having more time with their dad. Cool. And you mentioned sometimes you're well in the past you're you were underestimated. Do you feel like you're still underestimated in some situations or do you feel like you've proven yourself and uh, the platform has proven itself? Yeah, I think we have proven ourselves now, you know, and I think, you know, there comes a point when you need to kind of, if, if you do feel that there's a little chip on your shoulder about something, you've got to kind of, you know, wise up a little bit and go, right, 
get over that now. That's not a big deal. And just because one person or someone says something that you don't, that you're not happy with or you don't agree with, it can't affect everything else. So I think we've got better at kind of channeling our own energy and and getting rid of the negativity and the the rejection, I suppose, because you do deal with a lot of rejection. Um, and there are people who say, oh, we could do this better. And yeah, ours is better than theirs. But, you know, you just have to believe in yourself. And that's why it's good having two people. So there are days where we're at different sides of that, you know, where we help each other out and say, Look, don't even think about that. Think of all the great things that are happening and all these customers are really happy and all these wonderful people that we're getting to meet and all this change that we're able to help make. Thanks for that. So you've got so you've got a co um, a co-founder. Is it always a natural equal split of responsibilities for us it was it was because we are very different people anyone that meets leanne and i you know there she's got so many wonderful things that she's great at so she handles all the kind of um the product and the service delivery and the implementation side of the business whereas i'm more in the sales and marketing and we get on so well but we are really really different you know when people would point that out quite a bit. So the, her strengths and my strengths, they just fall naturally with with us. So there's very little time that we're actually maybe trying to, you know, struggle to do the same thing. Because I'll just say, look, you're better at that than I am. And she'll say the same thing. They, I remember hearing years ago, they say that if you wanted to go into business with something with someone, you have to say, um, would I work for this person? And it's it's a strange thing to think. But I remember thinking, yeah, I would I would work for Leanne. So they say that's a good basis for a good relationship. If you yeah. if you respect someone so much that you would actually work for them, then that's a good starting point. What is so it's like you've been a community development manager and now you're the C or the co-CEO, co-founder of this health tech company. What has been the hardest lesson that you've learned? Um Let's see. That's a good one because there has there's so there's lots of lessons along the way. I think I think you go into this type of thing thinking that everyone's going to be really supportive and really happy and really yeah, well done. And 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 then sometimes you meet people that that aren't like that. I remember one time we pitched to someone and we were so excited and we were like telling them all about what we did and and he said. Or would I take a bullet for this? Um, nah, probably not. And that was, we just couldn't see how he couldn't see how this helped. So I think sometimes it's, you know, you've got to go in there and be realistic about it and say, look, not everybody's going to get it. Not everyone's going to understand it. And then not not everybody's going to want it. But I think when you're so passionate about something and and you really have something that's coming from a genuine place of, of you know, goodness, um, you just have to, you get a bit sidetracked thinking that everybody's going to think it's wonderful and it's and it, you know maybe it was the wrong day for him or maybe he doesn't understand the challenges faced with and um, health inequalities or maybe he didn't like it you know it's so you just have to get your head around that I think so I think we should have had our eyes a wee bit um more wide open in terms of being being prepared to take something like that but it really knocked the, the wind out of our sails we were we were like stunned. We like got <laughs> back in the car and we were driving back and we were like, did that really happen? Like, how, you know, but then I think a bit of you then goes, right, okay, dust it off, keep going. Have you always been like that? Like dust it off or do, yeah, it sounds like you are. I, I When I was younger, um, 
I remember I had to deal with kind of in, in school, I would I always say that I wasn't exactly the, the smartest person in the class. So academically, I would have just been average, you know, with my results and my reports would have been just, you know, could do better and talks too much and things like that. So um, I've had a few little setbacks along the way when I was younger. So at the age of 11, we have a thing called the transfer test and the, it's called 11 plus. So I didn't pass yeah. that. So I had to deal with and what I saw as rejection at the age of 11. And I remember thinking, okay, you're just going to have to work a little bit harder for things and you're just going to have to find other areas to to shine through on. And I just have applied that ever since. And it was a tough thing to take as an 11-year-old thinking I'm not good enough to be in this particular school that I wanted to go to. But um, yeah, so even when people say no to me now, I always think, right, how can I get my way around this? What other way is there? You know, it's a no at this particular point. I need to find another way maybe to kind of circumnavigate this and find another way in. So I've been doing that since I was 11. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were 11? Or what did you think you wanted to be? Yeah. Well, I I wrote, um, I remember actually, this was one of the things I did, the only thing I actually maybe did best in the class. And, but I said when I was 11 that I wanted to be a, a country and Western singer and I wanted to be a vet. And I didn't want to wear makeup and I didn't want to go out with boys. And <laughs> I was really like anti-everything. Um, but as I grew a little bit older, then I started looking at journalism and things. And I remember there was a program called The Press Gang years and years ago. You won't even remember this, Tara, but it was a it was a great program on TV. And it was like this, you know, all these people really busy together, just getting through things. And it was like a, a team of young reporters. And I was really inspired by that. But then I got a D in my English literature. So there was another knockback. So I had to rethink everything again. And um Again, so I was just I was used to kind of a series of those little things, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt you. The more it happens, you kind of get used to it, and you just get a bit more resilient. What? How old are your kids? So I've got um, nine year old now. In the next two weeks, uh, she's going to be nine, and then my son is eleven. So, what do you tell them about? I forgot what you call it, like the the eleven plus. Will they do it? And how how and how do you talk to them about that test? Well, my son has done it and he has passed it. So he's in a in a great position that he was able to choose the school that he wanted to go to. But, you know, I, I always, they all, they know what I'm like. I've told them stories throughout the years about different things that I've done and how I wasn't maybe, you know, the kind of the grade A level results or anything. So they know that and they're, they're watching me every day. I suppose now during COVID, they're hearing all my conversations. I, I've let them listen to your podcasts and other podcasts. God, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But they see everything. So they kind of understand everything. So they know that it's not about, it's all about, it's not all about the academic side of things, but they, they naturally just want to do well at school anyway. So I, it's a fine line, you know, I have to try and balance it well. So I I don't want to be out there promoting saying, oh, get two D's and an E in your A-levels and you can still be the CEO of a tech company. So it's a... It's and it has to be a good balance. Yeah, I didn't pass. Did she not? Wasn't class as dyslexic, but like no, but like I think my teacher would be so surprised. Though I think they thought it was my sister Sue that was like she's like the thin, pretty, clever one, and I was not any of those things. <laughs> None of those things. And the, and how did you deal with that at the time? Um. I all do you know what when I was little I thought I'm going to be a CEO 
I didn't know what it meant. I thought, I'm going to be a CEO. I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to work in London and I'm going to have like really nice clothes. And it's, it's, I always wanted to be in business. I didn't really understand what it, what, what it meant. And then I was like, I want to do marketing. And then now I've got my, now I'm the CEO. So I knew, I just knew that I wanted to just do business and just help people. It's so important for other kids to, you know, to see all this as well. I think we've got a real, it's a great opportunity that we have, you know, haven't mm. experienced that. We're able to say to others, look, you know, don't let this put you off. You know, this is, you know, there are, th- there's lots of things out there that are achievable. And, and I suppose it's looking at where people's strengths are and looking to play on that, I think. Oh, definitely. I've been fired. Yeah. When I think about my career, yeah, it's not. It wasn't, you know, I think if anybody listened to this, if they have got, they are odd enough to let their children listen to this. Um, Yeah, I didn't pass. I've been fired. I've quit jobs. You know, when you're trying to find your thing. Yeah. Oh, I know all about that. Yeah. I didn't. And I feel like I didn't find my thing until six years ago. Yeah. And I'm going to be 40. So it, it, even though I wanted to do business I still didn't you know like what does it mean where am I going to work what do I do how do you train and just constantly searching for something but I do feel like I found it so it can take a long time it wasn't like I want to be a business owner in like 18 I set up my own business it was not like that no, I, I um I I sold pens and books my dad um we used to go down and visit his dad in Cork and his next door neighbor used to give me lots of books and pens you know with the four different colors yeah and yeah, I used yeah. to bring them back up into school and I used to sell them in school and I would undercut the we had like a stationery shop in school and I would find out their prices and then undercut them and then the money I made I always say I would love to say I, I put it in to a charity or something but I just ended up buying lots of chocolate but I think there's always <laughs> I've always had that entrepreneurial kind of ducking and diving type skill but yeah, I think I've found my tribe, you know, and, and what I've done here with Leanne and Elemental, I, I feel, you know, I just, yeah, I think it's it's all kind of come together, all those years of different jobs where you would literally be doing things and thinking, where is this going to get me? Mm. But I think it has all come together then when you're in a position like this and you're a, you know, co-founders and CEO of a of an organization, you can really be who you really are, I think, when you're in this position. I think we're all so fortunate. Definitely. Do you feel like, so when you say you can be who you really are, how big is your team? We have a team of 30. And I suppose it sounds, maybe sounds like an odd question, but it's like, what does it feel like for you to be the CEO, to have this company, to have, do you feel like you're responsible for, you know, like people's mortgages and the, the money that they make? You know, 30 people is, is a lot. Yeah, it's, I try not to think about it too much, you know, and I suppose, especially when I'm in, in the sales side of things, it's even more pressure because they're, you know, we know how much it, it costs to run the, we know how much it costs to open the doors in the morning, you know, when we're all back in the office. And so we know every day how much it costs. And I don't think, I try not to think too much because if I did, I think I would be really, really stressed about it. So I try and kind of not think about that. And I think because there's two of us as well, you know, I know what I need to do. Leanne knows what she needs to do. And we're checking in with each other all the time to be able to say, yeah, it's, it's we're on where we need to be or we need to maybe crank this up a little bit or we need to maybe wind that down a little bit and not get distracted. But yeah, you're right. It's a lot of, it is a lot of, a lot of responsibility. But 
it, it doesn't it doesn't always feel like that you know it's it's mm-hmm. really fun as well because the type of people that work in our organization they're they've just got really good personalities no one takes themselves too seriously so you know i leanne and i don't take ourselves too seriously and be sometimes people are all i am the ceo but we're not like that at all you know if you met us and you wouldn't even think out of if you met us and didn't know who was the, who were the co-founders you wouldn't know it was us too you know because we're kind of there we're leading but we're letting people be do what they're good at and we're celebrating that and we're we rely on them all for why we brought them into the organization they have a set of skills that we need that necessarily Leanne and I might not have I love that leading but letting people be I think that's really really nice how often are you strategizing about the business is it like a once a year thing is it uh, every I don't know every quarter how often are you looking at the direction of the business it's it's a lot at the moment because we went through we did have such a rapid growth during COVID and um, so we were kind of you know we were cruising before that and we kind of knew where we wanted to be we always have our kind of financial target and you know at the start it was like let's just keep let's just break even we know we need to have enough money to keep going here and let's deliver a brilliant service and let's make sure that we're always doing what we wanted to set out to do and that was halt and health inequality so we always have a check-in on a regular basis maybe every six months to be able to say right are we still who we said we were going to be and are we still going where we need to go but more recently there just at the end of last year we put a lot of work then into our kind of growth plan because that we were growing really really quickly so we had to make sure that everything was right and we were prepared for growth and we knew where the areas in the business that were going to be having to grow quickly and that was service delivery because so many new customers were coming on so we had to make sure that we were going to be able to service those customers properly so we did a lot of work on those key performance indicators and we were like oh my god this is terrible but we've we agreed the key performance indicators and now we're actually looking at them weekly to say right you know we broke them down by quarter and we're, we can't, a lot of them are kind of measured their, their monetary or their, um, you know, numerate numbers based. I can't even speak <laughs> properly. Um, so there's that element. And then, so we're doing that on a weekly basis. And then we're looking at kind of tra- staying true to ourselves and what we were about and making sure that the culture is right within the organization. Because sometimes I think if you focus a lot on the strategy and on the KPIs, mm-hmm. you lose a little bit of that fun and enjoyment and and I know that's what's happened with us in the last year that people are saying this is this is just like you know we can't be together we can't you know go to meetings together and we would have had you know everybody in the office and had a bit of a party and things we're we kind of miss all of that I can't wait to get that back again do you think so will you go back to how it was we will go back into the office, but we'll give everyone the flexibility that they can decide themselves if they want to be in or if they want to work at home. But the office is going to be it's going to be back in there because we have such a beautiful office that we took just before COVID and it's right in the heart of the city centre. And it's really important for us to put, bring life back into the city centre again because it's just been so bleak, you know, with everything that's happened with lockdown. And, you know, we see it as our kind of civic duty to create a space where people are going and buying their lunch and buying coffees and picking Mm. up some shopping so it's never we don't regret having taken on that new space because it was twice the size of the old space so and we got a beautiful wall painted local artists came in and did all this lovely artwork so we can't wait to get back in do you own that space was it a long lease 
it's a lease actually we did look at maybe potentially buying but we were just things were so full on with the business that it would have taken us again our focus we don't want anything to distract us and that would have been a distraction so in Derry office space really quality office space in the city centre is really affordable um so it's it's beautiful it's just right beside the Guildhall building and it's just yeah, structurally sound and open and bright and all the things that you would like in an office space. You've mentioned the word distractions quite a lot. How It sounds silly. How do you stop yourself from getting distracted? It's really hard because when you're working in a space like we are, there are so many things that you could do because we're, I suppose, in essence, we're all about connecting things for things to work better and you know, there's so many things that need connecting and there's so many people that have opinions on what needs connected. So um, I suppose for us, it's like, you know, it's keeping the business going, but it's it's delivering to the communities that we serve that is making a difference. So we're, you know, sometimes it's with being in a, a kind of social enterprise space, um, you're, you're always trying to do, you know, straddle both. So you're making sure that what you're doing is still making the difference that you wanted to make, but you're trying to keep your business going at the same time. So um yeah there was a there was a couple of times where maybe moving into an international market would have just taken too much of our attention away and I'm glad we didn't we didn't do it we're looking at a, a new market now and even at that we're saying right but look there's still so much that needs to be done here in the UK and Ireland um how much time do we put on this like because it's a person's time and then you're taking them off something else so it has to be kind of worth it on across a number of levels so yeah, it's hard because everyone's so excited about it. They're like, oh, come and meet this crowd. They want to do this and they want to build that. And maybe you could do it. And we don't want to be building new things where we've got, you know, we've got a social prescribing platform that can be tweaked and configured. Yes, but it would take too much time from the developer's time to try and shoehorn what we do into a different market. So that's why we integrate so much. We say, look, we're not a specialist. We'll we'll work with someone else who is a specialist in that particular field. And then we'll try and pull both systems together. And do you ever find because you're in that social space, um, people want to partner with you and be associated with you, um, but they may not want to buy your platform? Yeah, and and that's okay. You know, you know, there's we love that. You know, we've just announced um, a partnership there just this week, actually, and it's what they do is brilliant and it's really important. And we just came together, and you know, at our own cost, nobody paid for. For the, the work that we did together, we just said, look, this is really great and this will help, you know, really make social prescribing more accessible. So, um, so yeah, we just partner with people like that. But it always has to be driven by demand, I suppose. So, yeah. Some people are doing great things and then you have to go, well, okay, so is, is someone wanting this to happen and would pay at the, down the line for this as a part of the service or is this just a nice to have? Do you have, are you investment backed? Yeah, we we won some. Um, we secured some money back in 2017. So there was only four of us back then, and we went and pitched to uh, social impact investors, angel investors, and they're called Clearly So. And we did a presentation, Leanne and I, and we were we did our pitch. And 43 days later, there was investment. Then there was 300 thousand pounds um, that we secured from these investors, and we were able to um, with 10 staff that we were able to employ then. So that was the big moment when things started really kind of ramping up for us. So, but we haven't, we're not out looking for anything at the moment. Do you get courted a lot though? 
Yeah, people would say, oh, yeah, we'd like to offer you money, but we don't even, we just say no thanks. So we that's another kind of distraction. You could get flattered by that. But we just say, no, look, thank you for thinking of us, but we're we're fine. We're just going to keep going now ourselves. So it's interesting at the top, so you're into social prescribing and well-being, but at the beginning of this interview, you said that you were working till 1.30 in the morning. So how do you look after your own well-being? Yes, that is a challenge, <laughs> especially at the moment. You know, it's I'm trying my best. I, I kind of know when my burnout point is when I'm getting close to that. So I'm just trying to kind of keep a track on that. And I, I, I actually use the kids quite a lot. I say, will you come in and get me at five o'clock and and mm. say, please just shut the laptop because they're the only people they're the only people I listen to um but we do go on we go on walks together and we've got two little dash hounds that I share with my mum and dad so well we have them for a week and then they would take them for a week so we go on big walks at the the weekend and then I'm back out walking with my friends again there was a while when I kind of lost contact with my friends because I was working so much but now we go out like twice a week and we do there's a couple of bridges here in Derry and we would do the bridges and we talk about everything and we're literally laughing and carrying on it's brilliant so that keeps me going. So outside of walking and seeing your friends what social prescription would you give yourself? I would love to get back into the yoga again. You know, I was doing that quite a lot, um, but I've just, I've, I found myself doing yoga and then lifting the phone. And then before I knew it, I was answering emails while I was doing <laughs> yoga. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I had my camera turned off. So I thought, right, no. And then I joined um, a fitness group. And so that's my my thing at the moment. So it's three times a week and we all exercise together at 6.30 and it's all it's all women together just chatting and there's a guy there. He's it's just a great business this guy has set up and um it's great fun and so I'm doing that and I have to track, you know, my the food tracker thing. So I'm starting to use that a little bit more. So I lost a bit of weight there in the last couple of weeks and um yeah, so he's kind of saying, How are you? He messaged me today saying, How are you getting on? I see you, you only went twice out of three times this week and I'm like, damn, forgetting <laughs> that he he can see this. So um yeah, I'm just I just need to do a little bit of everything. You know, it will will keep me good. Um I I do understand, but at this stage it, it does require a lot. I can't step back and, and Leanne's the same. We can't step we'd love to start at ten o'clock and finish at four, but we just we just have to keep going like this for now. And I do think someday we will start to get a little bit of our own time back. But for now it's still really enjoyable. It's hard, but we're in it and we're in it together. I interviewed a guy called Sam Alsop Hall and he he said the same. And I think, have you heard of the term like hustle culture? So there are, I didn't, how do I describe it? So some people believe, I think you've just kind of described it a little bit in the fact that some people believe or not believe, promote the constant need to work and take pride in that and we'll share that on social media. You're not, I'm not saying you're doing that, but there is, if you're going to bed, I know you're not saying it every day, but to go to bed at 1.30 and then wake up really early, there's only so many times you can do that. Like when, when is your limit where you're like, no, I, I have to, I have to put the laptop down. Um, yeah, I think it's when we're kind of watching TV together and the four of us that that's at nighttime, I would say, right, I'm not going to have the screen on, but I make sure that I don't 
um, make it out as if like, oh, this this is the way it is, and I'm so busy because I see a lot of people <laughs> talking about how busy they are, and I'm like, oh dear, if I ever start that, please someone stop me. <laughs> I think it it looks it doesn't look good if you're saying that you're always busy. Just you know, if you're busy, you're busy. Just don't be just, on talking about how busy you are for goodness yeah. sake. So um. So yeah, I think it's, I like seeing um, other people's tips and when they, even when people say that they're out of walk or out of a run, it does make me think, right, God, I need to be doing that. So um, I'll pr- probably, you'll see me next year, Tara, where I'll be saying, I've just finished my yoga. I'll be bragging about that instead <laughs> of bragging about being busy. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, I mean, I can't talk. I can't talk at all. I think um, but if when you really enjoy your work, is a difference I've never been close to burnout and I think one of the reasons is it's because I really really love my work and like you know and I can catch myself when I am feeling you know knackered and I can put on Netflix but when you really really like your work it doesn't feel it sounds really cliche doesn't it doesn't always feel like work so I do this podcast I love doing this podcast absolutely love it um and I like working with my clients um, but it is Friday today and I am looking forward to the weekend but there are a few little bits I need to do so um, I'm there with you <laughs> yeah it'll be just I'm going back into that conference again actually after this and I said to one of the members of the team I said look finish you finish early and I'll I'll cover the last hour and I'll, I'll sit at the table and I know that different people will call me along and say hello and sometimes that's when the greatest conversations happen when you're just in a waiting room or if you're just kind of at the end of a conference, you just never know what type of spark or what type of yeah. thing could happen that could really make a difference mm-hmm. then for future working arrangements with with people mm-hmm. and partnerships and things. So, but I am looking forward to the weekend. My mum and dad are coming over tonight and I'll see my friends tomorrow and I'll just stop working. I will not do anything tomorrow and then I'll start maybe looking in again on Sunday to start getting gearing up for yeah. the week ahead. Okay, a couple of a few quick fire questions. Your number one productivity tip? Oh, I would say really basic, just pen and paper and just write down what it is that you want to achieve that day and keep it keep it small. Keep it small. keep it a small amount of things okay. because then you'll you might go and do more. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that meal be? <laughs> spaghetti bolognese I've always loved it Uh, Jennifer if people want to find out more about Elemental where can they find you yes so we are on we're on elementalsoftware.co and then we're on Twitter we're always on Twitter and it's uh, at it's underscore Elemental and yeah we're, we're, we're kind of everywhere at the moment so you can get us we'd love to have a chat with anyone if this has inspired anyone even to start up their own business or have a chat about what they're doing give us a shout and we're a friendly bunch Uh, and they are I think when I first met you I think I was just like I just sat back and was like she's so nice (laughs) (laughs) I remember looking thinking have I gone too far with my um my exuberance and my um energy level because I remember looking thinking had you even ever met anyone from Derry before I was thinking has Tara even met a Derry person before no but if everybody's like you I'm coming to Derry they are Derry's great. We'd love to welcome you over here. Since my birthday's on St. Patrick's Day, so like not this year, next year, because we'd love, love to go to Ireland um, and have a real knees up. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. The people are the friendliest in the world. Ah, oh, cool. All right, take care. Thanks a lot. Thank you. 
you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. It's really, really funny. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.